everyone. Welcome to the Higher Points Podcast. Nick Sowers here in the studio with my buddy Nate Hyatt. We're coming at you with another To The Point episode. This is one of your first time listenings. It's just kind of a quick down and dirty just episode where we tell you about some things that we've been thinking about for the week, things that have been uh, just on our minds, and we bring it to you. And so that's what we're here to do today, just a quick To The Point, give you about 30 minutes worth of uh, interesting stuff to listen to, which this one might be interesting because Nate and I... Might might argue a little bit on this one because we have an idea of like what we're going to talk about. I've got it in my head, and I know I'm right. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but see, like that was one of the things that we wanted to bring to the table when it came to doing this podcast was we we knew that you know there were times that we were going to disagree, but things we were going to agree on. But we wanted to be able to still have those conversations because that's something that's like missing from our society. Even though we disagree, we don't have to hate each other. So there are going to be some things today you're here, going to hear that he and I probably disagree on. So uh, you brought it up in text, and so I'll let you take it away as to like what you heard was going to happen and all that good stuff. Okay, so I heard there was there's a rumor going around that there's going to be a lawsuit um, against, I think, the state of Kansas about um, not being able to use the smell of cannabis as probable cause for, like pulling people over and drug arrests, this and that, which um, makes sense to me as a hemp farmer, <laughs> you know. Um, and if you break down the plant and actually look at that, like the smell doesn't, isn't the THC. Like it's the terpenes, there's no THC in that. Um, so technically that what they're smelling is not the illegal substance. Um, and so like from my standpoint, you know, like, we're hauling our hemp, and we've got an enclosed trailer with 1,500 pounds, or just even in the bed of our truck, you know. we got 1,500 pounds. We get pulled over, and they confiscate that, even though we've got COAs, everything for it, you know. What's a COA? Uh, certificate of Analysis. Okay, got it. It tests it and makes sure that it is what's actually there. But, I mean, it's just a piece of paper. A piece of paper can be forged. You know, they can be made up. And so a lot of times it doesn't matter. You know, they just confiscate that anyways. And so from my standpoint, you know, like then that that 1,500 pounds could be in limbo for, I don't know, how long would you say it would take for the court system to work that out? Well, you know, most of the time, if you take things truly, take them to trial, like they go all the way to trial, you're looking at least a year, mm-hmm. at least. Yeah. So like we could run out of distillate by then, by the time we need that stuff. And so that would really put a company like us in a tight spot being a small smaller business like we are um so from my standpoint you know like it's not the thc that you're smelling so therefore it's a i don't think it i I it makes sense to me that why the lawsuit's happening so that's where i'm at on a little bit um so kind of what what nate's talking about is so there is a what, what we call in the law enforcement realm is called the carroll doctrine um, it was Carol V someone, I don't remember. And it's Carol as in C-A-R-R-O-L-L, I think. And under the Carol doctrine, basically it says like, if, if something has mobility and you have probable cause, you can do a warrantless search. So for instance, a vehicle. It has mobility. Yeah. Oh, so okay. I'm, I'm getting ready to explain that. So if you, if I pull a vehicle over and I smell marijuana. That vehicle has mobility, meaning my evidence can leave. My evidence can be irretrievably lost mm-hmm. if this leaves. 
And so I have probable cause because I smell the odor of marijuana. I now have probable cause to search but that vehicle. It could be hemp too. So, right. Yeah. So we're going to delve more into that. Yeah. So I'm just giving the history yeah. of where this comes from. So under the Carroll doctrine, the odor of marijuana gives me the right to do a warrantless search of a vehicle. So, um, but I can also see the kind of the side of where Nate's coming from. He does make a valid point in that the terpenes themselves are what gives the odor. The terpenes actually are not the illegal compound that an officer is looking for. Um, but that being said, uh, you know, when it comes to that kind of that same thing, like what, what is, what, like, I, I'm also interested in like, let's say cocaine, like whatever, the active ingredient is whatever the Delta nine of cocaine is. And I don't know what that chemical compound is, is the dog that's like searching for that. Like when they're sniffing, like, are they actually smelling that specific chemical compound? Or are they smelling other things that make up cocaine? Mm-hmm. Like for instance, so when you smell weed, like our olfactory nerves are sensitive enough to be able to smell those terpenes. Mm-hmm. So is a dog smelling terpenes or is a dog smelling Delta nine? And so like there's, there's things there that I'm curious on that I don't know how to answer. So, um, I get where Nate's coming from with the terpenes are not the actual illegal substances, but the, that odor is associated with that illegal substance. And there, there is a lot of training that needs to be done with like law enforcement officers on the differences of hemp and cannabis. Cause I mean, even, even people that are in law enforcement, um, you know, they, they still come to Nate and they're like, well, isn't that illegal? How do, how are you getting away with that? And it's like, no, like they're, they're different. They're so different. And not only are they different, but this is also like very much legal, very yeah. legal. And so I, I could see Nate's reservation there because an uneducated law enforcement officer is going to see that. And you look at that, it looks like a marijuana plant. Like if you look at it just side by side, like right. I they think they look identical. I, I have a question. If I took an, a marijuana leaf and a and a and a hemp leaf and I laid them down on a table and you didn't know which was which, could you tell the difference? Uh, probably not. Yeah, and I mean, it comes down because like we've got two different genetics in our field right now, and if you look at the leaves from each one, they're going to look different, you know. So it's just those five seven point leaves that are cannabis shaped. Yes. And it's, so it's. It just so, changes. So I could see where you would have reservations on an untrained law enforcement officer going, no, no, this is weed. This is illegal. I'm going to seize it. Also, and, in that same note, like it would take a lot of balls to be hauling 1,500 pounds of marijuana through Kansas, <laughs> you know, <laughs> trying to pass that as hemp, they, you know. They actually call – that actually happens. They call those suicide loads. Yeah. That's what those are called um, because it's suicide to do it, you know, if you get caught. So I, I, I get where you're coming from because a business like yours can can lose potentially their livelihood as a result of that being done. Now, I will say that I have some reservations about that. And other states have done this. Like Colorado has made that where you can't base your search on the odor of, of uh, marijuana. And they have had to retrain canines mm-hmm. or get new canines that have not had it's probably the easier to get the that. new it new is new ones yeah that is much them. easier because then if you go to court they're going to say well how do you know he didn't revert back to mm-hmm. because it's all play drive for the dog the dog's playing right they want yeah. their toy well the dog's like oh i smell marijuana not knowing it's marijuana thinking it's his toy and he's like i want to play with my toy so i'm going to alert and then you know do a search based on that so um, but I have some reservations and here, here are my reservations from the law enforcement aspect. A, I, I am trained on it and I understand it. And also being friends with you, I understand it a little more. So for me, when I pull someone over, 
that has hemp, I'm going to be like, oh, okay, cool. Awesome. You know, I'm probably going to get into a conversation about how'd you grow it? What'd you do? You know, how do you do it? Blah, blah, blah. And then kick them on the, kick them on the, down the road. Um, you know, and, and also me personally, like when it comes to like some college kid that's got like a bud in his pocket, like that's not something that I am spending a lot of time on because also our court system is kind of taking a step back and they don't really, there's really not much teeth to it anymore either. Which, which again, I'm fine with. It costs, no it costs you guys more money to process that case. It costs than, me more time. Yeah. That's where I'm at. Like my time is valuable. I could go out, I could be going out and finding DUIs or people committing burglaries or somebody that's like burglarizing because they're feeding their meth habit. Like that's kind of my focus. But here's my caveat to that is that odor of marijuana gives me an in to a vehicle. And I like that. And here's why. Now, keep in mind, um, you've heard me talk many times on here. I am different from other law enforcement officers. So this is not every law enforcement officer. When I'm in that car and I'm searching, like, I'm using that marijuana to help find, like, other crimes, that odor of marijuana. Like, for instance, I made a traffic stop on a guy for some traffic-related offenses. And while it wasn't marijuana, um, I, ma- I, made a traffic, I made a traffic stop for a taillight out. That's all it was, a taillight. And the guy had a bunch of traffic history. The vehicle had like a tag from another car. He'd basically, <laughs> he went to a, a wrecker impound place in Wichita and quote unquote rented the vehicle for a day from this impound. They just slapped a tag on it and then he just went driving down the road. Like not even a D tag, not a dealer tag, like a tag to a completely different vehicle. And so when I pull this over, I find out like he's suspended. He's got a bunch of history, illegal tag, no insurance, all this other kind of stuff. And he's got what we call failed to comply with citations in his history, meaning if I write this guy a ticket, he's already proven he's not going to come to court. Mm-hmm. So I always decide to arrest those people because you've proven to me that you cannot be trusted with being getting a ticket and being sent on your way. Yeah. Uh, plus, we got a lot of things there. Nothing about that vehicle is legal. I'm not going to allow it to Drive be operated. Road. So um, the, I arrest the guy. Well, the vehicle is on the roadway, so I can't leave it. Because uh, if somebody hits it, that's my liability because I left that car there. So, so somebody gets in a car wreck and gets hurt or dies, that's my liability. So I have to tow the vehicle. Well, as a part of towing the vehicle is we have to do an inventory of that vehicle of like, you know, he was worried like, hey, I've got a laptop and stuff in there. Like, I don't want that stuff to be taken by the record driver. So we, we inventory and we give that to the record driver. Here's all the stuff that was in that car. If it's not there, oh, when... I hate, hate it if you had to do an inventory on my truck. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, Be there for days. Just to let you know, doper vehicles are just as bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that makes me feel good or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, according to some people, you and you being in the hemp market, you still you very much are. You're a drug dealer. I, I am. mean, you know. So, but anyway, back on subject is so so you have to do an inventory of that car. So I'm having an inventory that you know he's got a laptop, he's got a backpack, he's got all these things that are in this car. Well, through that inventory, I find a large amount of methamphetamine in the center console, um, which, again, I know is not marijuana. But, I, again, I'm just illustrating my point here for the sake of the podcast. And as I'm going through this stuff, I have to inventory his backpack. Well, inside the backpack, I find all these ide- I like driver's licenses, birth certificates, loan applications, uh, canceled checks. But the checks look the same, like the backing is the same. But there's different banks, different account numbers, different names. Well, to me, I'm no rocket scientist, but that is criminal activity. Something's not right. 
Well, I end up seizing that backpack and make an application for a search warrant of that backpack based on that information. And so that, that was me illustrating the point of inside that backpack, I found 120 people's identities, different identities, different banks, etc. Had it not been for my ability to search that car, because let's face it, an inventory of the vehicle is a search at mm-hmm. the end of the day. I mean, I, I am, I'm, I'm a law enforcement officer. I'm a part of the government. It's a search. Yeah. But it's, it's a search done because you're trying to inventory the vehicle. Now, the case law is if you find other things through that inventory, you're golden because you're there for a righteous reason. You know, you're trying to protect someone's property. Mm-hmm. You know, had he not had that stuff in there, I would have never seized anything. I would have left it, et cetera. But what I'm getting at is, is like when we start taking these tools out of a law enforcement officer's toolbox, let's face it. When your identity gets stolen, um, does that crime ever get solved? Hardly ever. Yeah. If never. I managed to get uh, 120 people justice because I stopped a car for a taillight out and then was able to do an inventory search. Now, let's just say I smelled the odor of marijuana on that vehicle. I now was not able to give 120 different people justice because I had that tool removed from my toolbox. And so that's what gives me pause on that. Because like me as a law enforcement officer, I'm using it as a tool to get into that vehicle to find other bigger, better crimes. Now, not all cops are that way. And I, if you're listening to this podcast, I will concede that. There are officers out there that they're looking for the shake and the flake and the seed on the floor that they can put into an evidence bag and arrest you and take you to jail. So I get your reservations of, I don't want cops in my car because of the odor of marijuana. 100% get it. 100% get it. But you make my job harder because of those douchebags. Like that, that is what gives me pause. And the same thing can then be applied to things like, okay, alcohol. Well, alcohol's perfectly legal as well. So am I not now able to get somebody out of the car and do standard field sobriety tests because I smell the odor of alcohol? Well, alcohol's perfectly legal. Now the next logical step, because lawyers being lawyers, they want to make money. So now the next logical step is, well, now you can't do things to a driver of a vehicle because of the odor of alcohol. Mm-hmm. And, and so it's just, it's like this cascading effect of, I can see it being this snowball where that snowball starts to just get bigger as it rolls down the hill. And you're going to make law enforcement officers who are already hated, less effective at doing their job. And I'm not able to solve crimes as effectively because I've had the tools removed from my toolbox. That's my reservation. That's what I have issues with in that. Okay. But I also understand well, your side of the coin. Look into the future. You know, cannabis is going to be legalized. And you won't be able to use that for probable cause anymore because it's going to be legal and decriminalized. So why would you not want to prepare yourself now for that? Well, probably because, again, you're just taking a tool out of my toolbox. Like but, when, that, but, when, I mean, when that day comes, then yes. Wh- but but I'm not, why not be – why not instead of being reactive, be proactive in that? Because I'm not going to hamstring myself. I don't want to hamstring myself now. If I can still use that tool in that toolbox now, then yes. But then you're going to be ahead of the game when it comes to that time. You're not going to be like reacting on your feet. You'll be like, hey, we've been doing this. We know how to work this because we started practicing this two years ago. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm not necessarily just as an individual basis, but also like on your whole like Sterling PD or Rice County Sheriff or this and that, you know, and putting in those steps now to help you guys later look into the future that way you're not hamstringing yourself when that happens so you know the routes around that 
Well, and it, and it doesn't matter when it comes to the true criminal element, not not hemp farmers, not hemp farmers. When it comes to the true criminal element, they're already figuring out ways around those things anyway. Yeah. I mean, they're already trying with things like vacuum sealing their cannabis and stuff in the hopes that it doesn't leak out, which I'm thinking to myself, that's stupid. It doesn't let oxygen in. It lets stuff out, but whatever. Um, and so, so I mean, it doesn't matter. Like the criminal element's going to figure out some ways around things no matter what, and you're constantly having to evolve and change and be different and think differently. And, and but... But it's almost like, you know, like if, like, for instance, you were talking about um, your your level on the way here that you liked using at work or your square, excuse square. me, your square um, that you liked using at work. And it had this attachment that you liked and you didn't like using other people's square. Yeah, like that, that's my square. It's got black numbers and black letters on it. Like I can read the things. A lot of the cheaper ones are just like silver etched and you can't read them at all. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, um. So that's the thing too is is like it, that's what it is to me like if you take away the odor of uh cannabis as me being able to have established probable cause to search a vehicle I still have the silver etched square right like I can still I can still make a case I can still do things it's just harder mm-hmm. and it's frust- and it's like it's like you with a square it's like I kind of like this because it's got this little thing that kind of helps make my job a little easier like, that's what that is to me. You know, I can read the square easier, quote unquote, by using cannabis to get into the vehicle. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, now when it comes to impairment, I think that we should still be allowed as law enforcement officers to use the odor to help us establish probable cause of impairment yeah. of somebody operating a vehicle under the influence. Because you've heard me many times on here. That's not something that I find cool in any way, shape or form. There's, there's no discussing that to me. There's no, <clears throat> there's no, you know, you can, the people that say, oh, I drive more careful when I'm on cannabis. Well, you're fucking wrong. There's, um, I mean, there's a lot of grayer, like, lines. That That's a solid line drawn in the sand, really. I mean, like, once you're impaired, you're impaired. Well, but the thing is, everybody thought the same with Roe v. Wade. That line had been drawn in the sand. So, again... Are, are now that we can't use the odor of cannabis to establish probable cause, does that now translate into I can't use the odor for cannabis to establish probable cause of impairment? Well, then if the uh, that answer is yes from the Kansas Supreme Court or the Supreme Court, then does that now transfer into the same with alcohol? At least the upside with impaired driving is you have a lot of other things, slurred speech, bloodshot, watery mm-hmm. eyes, driving pattern. You have a lot of other things that you can use to yeah. help make that case a case. But... When you start taking pieces away from the puzzle, now you make it harder not only for law enforcement officers to articulate an arrest, but for prosecutors to articulate a case to prove beyond a reasonable doubt. You know, yeah. but just because it makes it harder doesn't mean it's the wrong way to do it. Correct. I I, I will concede that a hundred percent. I will concede that. Yeah. Um. I'm and I'm willing to see from like I said, I'm willing to see from your side of the coin. Like I get it. I'm willing to meet you where you're at. And I also see where you're coming from because it can be. I mean, you guys. Like you said, people don't like cops already. Yep. Right. And people do their best to make your lives hell. And <laughs> there's, well, there's people that legitimately, like, they get pulled over and they're assholes to be assholes and, like, just cooperate with you guys and, like, get you through the process and it'll be easier for the both of you. Yeah. Well, as long as you have a law enforcement, law enforcement officer that's meeting you where you're at and not yeah. treating you like you're some sort of lower life form. Because yeah. that's typically where people get kind of like turned off is when 
law enforcement officer kind of sees themselves on the mountaintop and everyone else is beneath them. Yeah. That's where you start getting yourself in trouble as a law enforcement officer where people start losing respect for you. But on that same note, Heather texted me the other day because she had questions on arrests that I made of a person that I didn't even know she had any, like, knowledge of. And I had to explain myself to Heather, which she wasn't being rude. She Mm -hmm. was, she's like, hey, this is what I heard. And she's like, I don't quite believe it. What can you tell me? And so I kind of let her know, like, how the traffic stop went. I mean, it was literally an arrest on some traffic offenses. Same thing. The guy had failed to comply with citations in his history, and I wasn't going to allow him to drive away with a ticket. Mm -hmm. And the guy is somebody that's known to abuse methamphetamine. And it's frustrating that that's where we're at in law enforcement, that I had to explain myself over the word of someone that abuses that and, like, does that kind of thing. And it was frustrating. And, and, and Heather, like I said, this is not me bashing Heather. This isn't me. I'm not mad at Heather. But like, that's where we're at in today's day and ages is like, like you can't, like the, the, we've been vilified in the media so much that, um, you know, it's almost like you can't take a law enforcement officer's word or, or even not just their word, but the decision that they made for mm-hmm. what it was. Um, because the story that was told by the gentleman that I arrested was not what happened. Imagine that, right? <laughs> Um, and so that's where we're at. And so that's kind of like, that's where I'm at. I'm frustrated. Like where if you take that tool out of my toolbox to where I can't use it now, I'm not as effective and somebody gets victimized by something to where I could have maybe solved a crime or use that odor of marijuana to like search a vehicle. Like, let's say, you know, you, you had somebody steal something from the farm and you just said, well, I just saw a blue car. Well, there's lots of blue cars, right? But I say this blue car and I stop it because it kind of matches the description. But that's really all I got to go on. That's not enough probable cause to search that car just because it's a blue car, right? Whereas if I have the odor of marijuana, I can now search that car. Oh, hey, look, there's Nate's socket set. Boom. Solved that burglary, that theft. So, I mean, that's where I'm at with it. That's, that's That's why I have reservations about it. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's interesting for sure. And I, I'm in a state like Kansas. Obviously, we're not very pro cannabis. So it's probably not going to work out in like <coughs> hemp farmers favors but and actually i saw a deal the other day that kind of made me sick to my stomach it showed it was a chart of all 50 states and you know it's one of those charts where it's got the different colors of like the different steps of medical cannabis or recreational or decriminalization that in the united states and it was like for full medical full recreational like it had all these states there's two white states which means there's no cannabis one was Idaho, one was Kansas. Huh. Those are the only two states. They don't have anything in the process. Huh. Uh, um, Nebraska and one other were just decriminalizing, which is a big step. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, Kansas and Idaho were the only two. And it actually passed in Utah, a medical program did, because they put it on the ballot. And the people voted for it, you know, which... I don't understand why the legislature here doesn't do that. Cause then it takes they all talked of, about it. It takes all of the, the, cause nobody on either side can bitch. Yeah. Because it was a popular vote thing. It wasn't the legislature taking sides or playing politics. Yep. A hundred percent. And I mean, the biggest thing is right now is they can't even get a bill written. Like they can't decide what they want to put in the freaking bill. You know what? I just got, I just had a thought. Um, I don't know if Amy listens to the podcast like on a regular basis, but I just had a thought. You know what the Kansas Cannabis Coalition should do? Hmm. They should totally get together with the Kansas Breath Alcohol Unit. And every year we have a 
drugs or we have an, like an impaired driving conference. And every year, you know, cannabis is always on there somehow because cannabis is cool and how it affects the body mm-hmm. and, and how you can improve impairment. But one thing that would be cool is they're, they're always looking for people to speak at those events. And it doesn't have to be Amy. It can be anybody. Hell, it could be you. Um, <laughs> about like, what are the differences in true weed, like marijuana that's high delta nine content and hemp and like educating officers? Because if you educate a room full of like, 50 officers like they're going to take that stuff back home and start talking about it with the other officers and they're going to be that quote-unquote like a guy in the know mm-hmm. and so they're gonna they're going to like so then you're gonna have john q officer call this other officer that's been at the conference and say hey when you're at that conference like blah 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 and then they bounce it off each other like hey no man that's him that's legal like leave him alone and send him on the way whereas what happens is is if an officer is like eh, i don't know based on my training and experience that's that's marijuana it, he is righteous in making that arrest. Later on down the r- line, it might be found that that's, you know, that that, that charge is going to be dismissed. But at that time, probable cause is a, a low standard. Beyond a, re- a sh- beyond a reasonable doubt is a high standard. Probable cause is kind of a low standard. So just making an arrest is kind of a low standard. Mm-hmm. So there's reasonable suspicion, probable cause, and then there's beyond a reasonable doubt. So, um, so anyway. So rather than that arrest happening, and they might be able to call a resource and say like, "Hey, no, that's hemp. Leave it alone." So I was yeah. just thinking, if you know Amy or somebody on the coalition got a hold of them and was like, "Hey, can we have an hour slot at the at the conference to just talk about like what is hemp and what does it do and like CBD is is legal and lawful and like really talk about that of like when you stop a car on the side of the road, a hemp farmer, a true hemp farmer." is going to have like their stuff together. They're going to have paperwork. They're going to have licensing. They're going to have everything that they're going to, and probably going to be able to show you pictures of their farm because they're proud of it. Yeah. Um, and they're going to be able to show and prove to you beyond a, you know, beyond a reasonable doubt that this is hemp. Whereas like someone else is not going to be able to, the criminal element is not probably going to do that. I mean, if they're really good at what they do, maybe, but, um, you know, of, of being able to have that conversation with law enforcement officers and just kind of educate them. And so maybe honestly, we don't even have to have like this problem. Some of this stuff happens because people still believe that we're wanting to grow this stuff to use it as a cover to grow marijuana, yeah. you know? And so I feel like even if you do have a lot of your licensing and everything in order, they're going to be like, mm, I don't know. Like That's why the education is important. Yeah. And you've even heard me talk about in – that, you know, I'm cool with medical because you have a doctor that's helping someone make an informed decision, whereas recreational, you don't. Mm-hmm. And you have people that are eating the whole fucking cookie instead of just a piece of it or cutting it into 10 pieces and eating one of the pieces and they're consuming 10 times the amount they were supposed to. It happens. And, uh, and so, so I mean, it's, it's one of those things of, uh, the education piece is not just for the general public, but I think also law enforcement as a whole. So I think that'd be something cool. Like and you should, you should mention that in one of your board meetings. I've got one Tuesday. I'll say something about that. I've actually got to talk a lot in my board meeting on Tuesday about setting up a membership program and getting that rolling with the coalition. And because we're coming up on renewals and everything, we've got to <clears throat> have a better system than using a Google Docs and me yeah. searching through and saying, "Oh, they joined here," and sending out the email. And we just automate it all, get a software, and done. Well, I had some other things I was going to talk about, but that's thirty minutes already. So we'll save those for next time. That works for me. 
So we'll, we'll we wrap uh, it up. we appreciate you guys tuning in. Hope you guys have a happy Fourth of July, or if you listen to it after, had a happy Fourth of July. Enjoy the fireworks. Um, we uh, just want to thank you guys for listening, and um, want you to like and share and. Just go out there and uh, go win the day. We also want to talk about um, our... So we're going to have this idea come up. But a lot of people don't have like the resources to go out and start a podcast. Or they don't know like even where to begin getting equipment and this and that. And me and Nick thought of like offering up our studio for rent. And seeing if people would be interested in coming in and recording in our studio for a fee you know um people can come in and talk they can start they can do you can do whatever podcast you want you you know we're not going to censor you um just come in record your podcast on our equipment in our studio and then we can email you the, the audio you do all the editing yourself and we just wanted to put that out there and let you guys know that's something we're working on and um we'd uh really enjoy having some people come in and use this equipment and hope that that's something you guys would enjoy too so yeah, also check out, we've got a YouTube page. So if you just go to YouTube and check out the higher points uh, on the YouTube page, just uh, subscribe that to that. You don't necessarily, I'm not saying like you have to like watch it every day because obviously you're listening to this on like Spotify or Amazon or whatever it is that you're listening to this on. Um, but just having those subscribers like kind of helps just uh, with the algorithm and moving us up just to kind of where we get heard a little bit more. The podcast auto posts to that every week when we post it on there. Um, so that's kind of nice to have. And eventually, like I said, we're going to move into that that video element eventually. Once uh, Nate's life slows down a little bit. <laughs> so 20 yeah. to 30 years from now. Yeah, when I don't look like a crackhead every day from yeah. running around 100 miles an hour. Yeah. So we're being hungover like I am today. So I mean, there's that too. <laughs> no wonder you were so okay with going to Texas T-Bone. You were like, yeah, give me some good food. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Well, thanks everybody for listening. Don't forget to give us a rating and review and we will catch up with you next time. Yep. See you guys.